0: So it says, what if a building can be a flower? And what do flowers do? They take everything they need from their site. They don't get—they don't get to, you know, transport their waste out or import their energy in. They have to soak, soak up the energy and release all their waste on site. And they give back more than they take. So at, at the end of a flower's life cycle, you get seeds. You get multiple seeds. Sometimes you get hundreds of seeds. And those seeds can be planted to make more flowers. And then the, you know, the metaphor goes on and on. Damn.
1: Welcome to The Green Hour, a community of innovators, activists, and government leaders in the world of sustainability. Each week, you will hear from a leader in sustainability to help unlock your mind to a greener future. Hey guys, I'm Preston Pogue, and on the show today, we're going to talk all about buildings. I know what you're probably thinking. Buildings? Couldn't he pick a more interesting topic? Well, we aren't talking about just any building. We're talking about one of the most sustainable buildings in the world. A building that is regenerative, producing more energy than it takes. This building is the Candida Building, a living building on Georgia Tech's campus. It's redefining green standards through the Living Building Challenge certification, producing energy, conserving water, and using reclaimed materials. In this episode, we'll dig into the eco-friendly side of timber and learn how salvaged wood brings history to life. And don't miss the scoop on rainwater. It's not just a drop. It's what keeps the building buzzing and those green spaces thriving. When the term living comes to mind, we often conjure images of vitality, breath, and functionality. Attributes distinctly associated with life. But here's the curveball. Can a building truly be living? Do bricks and mortar possess life in the same way a plant or an animal does? If you're imagining the 1999 flick Smart House, where technology takes control of a residence... I'm here to debunk that notion. A living building isn't about a tech takeover. It's about regeneration. Think of it as a powerhouse that produces more energy than it consumes, surpassing mere functionality. It's the embodiment of sustainability on steroids. And to earn that living badge, a building has to conquer the Living Building Challenge Certification, a stringent assessment. So while it's not AI-managed houses, it's an exhilarating leap into a future where structures breathe life into the world, rather than just occupying space. So you may be asking, what is a Living Building Certification? It's a rigorous and prestigious green building certification program that goes beyond traditional sustainability standards. Developed by the International Living Future Institute, it sets an exceptionally high bar for buildings to achieve true environmental, social, and economic sustainability. To earn this certification, a building must meet the program's seven performance areas known as PEDALS, which encompass aspects like place, water, energy, health and happiness, materials, equity, and beauty. Notably, this certification demands net positive energy and water usage restriction of harmful chemicals in construction materials, and adherence to social equity principles. A certified project must demonstrate 12 consecutive months of successful operation before being fully recognized as a living building. This certification represents an unyielding commitment to pushing the boundaries of sustainable design and construction, setting new standards for environmentally responsible buildings. Our guest on the Green Hour today knows a thing or two about living buildings. Brooke Vikowski is the Senior Facilities Manager at the Candida Building at Georgia Tech, which stands as one of the only living buildings in the world. And it is where Brooke spends most of her days. Brooke is a Georgia Tech computer science alum, but she found a career in beekeeping following graduation. Driven by a deep passion for sustainability, she was determined to create an impact. Fast forward and Brooke found herself back at her alma mater, this time at the helm of the Candida building. As its senior facilities manager, she navigates the intricate world of a living building while reconnecting with her beekeeping roots as the building hosts its own hive. The Candida building stands as a pinnacle of sustainable design with its Living Building Challenge certification. Through its green ethos, the Candida building emerges as a symbol of regenerative architecture setting the stage for a future where buildings actively contribute to a more sustainable world. I'll say this. When I came across you, Brooke, I had really come across the Candida building. Candida building is one of my favorite things in the world. I mean, I came across the Candida building maybe two and a half, three years ago. I was doing some research in my MBA. Or actually, it wasn't that long. It's probably a year and a half ago. And I was trying to build a sustainability program for the University of Pikeville, And, you know, we had a building on campus that was, you know, just sitting there. And I was thinking, well, why can't we build or why can't we restructure this building to hold all of our sustainability classes? And we can have, you know, solar panels on the roof. We could have um, there's a company called App Harvest that does vertical farming. They do vertical Mm -hmm. farming. Um, We could do recycling. We could do all these things. And so I was like creating a diagram and doing all this. And then I came across the Candida building at Georgia Tech. And I'm thinking, you know, I grew up in North Georgia. How have I not heard of this building before? And, you know, it's it's been it's been something that's been of interest to me for a long time. Um, And I actually saw it maybe three to four weeks ago. I was at a conference, a solar panel conference at at the Candida building. Um, And that's kind of how all this came to be. So, yeah. So so you you went from beekeeping to Georgia Tech. And did you go straight to working at the Candida building or were you working on a more general um, area at, at Georgia Tech?
0: So um, right out of college, I worked for the Blue Heron Nature Preserve, which is a 30-acre park in the North Buckhead neighborhood of Atlanta. And so I kind of got my experience with facilities management there, um, specifically in the realm of sustainability and in habitat restoration. From there, I did my business full-time. From there, just as kind of a side, something to kind of help pay the bills, I worked for a commercial HVAC company. So I actually got to see facilities management, but on the contractor side. So it's kind of interesting to, to see that. Um, and then from there, I applied to jobs, including one at Georgia Tech, working for the Candida building. So ended up getting that job and it was the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's been about three months. So I'm still fairly new. So if I can't answer every question perfectly, yeah, yeah. I do apologize. But um, But yeah, so going to school at Georgia Tech and now working here, it feels like I've come full circle and it feels like very completing, and now I feel like I can really make a difference at Georgia Tech. When you know Georgia Tech made such a difference for me, um, it feels really nice to be back. And the Candida building is extraordinarily special. Um, I tell everyone I can about it. I had a dentist appointment this morning, and I was telling them all about the Candida building. I'm Like y'all, got to come visit. We got bees on the roof. We got a rooftop garden. We got solar panels. So I am, um, I am like you know one of the biggest fans of this building now. Um, and actually was when the building first opened um f- about four years ago, I actually came here to the grand opening of the building and got a tour and got to see it. So it's um it's really nice to be here as the facility manager. Um it's it's fun to be able to, you know, make a difference in a building that is just so so important.
1: Yeah, I mean it's the work that you're doing. I mean, I from research I could see you know some of the different things, but when you're actually there in person. And seeing everything, it's a completely different feeling. And I mean, just just going to the bathroom, I remember everything that's discarded at the building is not; it does not leave the building. It goes yeah. back, right? So, so the uh, the sinks where you wash your hands, the water goes back into the garden or the yeah. toilets, right? It, the water goes back into to something, which is which is really interesting. And you know, I try to I try to explain the Candida building to people all the time, and I'm like, yeah, this building. Uh, I, I went and washed my hands and the water, you know, it, it's all circular. It went all the way back into the garden, but I never can do a very good job explaining it because it's so dense. It's such a dense topic and the building has so many different features. But if you could provide an overview of the Candida building, which I, I think the the overall um, name is the Candida building for innovative, sustainable design. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you could give an overview of the building and its significance as a regenerative building,
0: Yes. So this is the Cadita building for innovative, sustainable design. You got that right. And it is on the, uh, on Georgia tech's campus, uh, for anyone wanting to visit it's at the intersection of first drive and state Street, And it is a, I would say it's a small to medium sized building. It is a, um, it is an academic building. So it's primarily a classroom class lab space for Georgia tech. So professors can uh, reserve the space for a semester or for a one day course or whatever they happen to be doing. Um, and then from there, we can actually open it up to reservations for conferences or for events or, um, you know, solar policy panels or, you know, we had um, we had uh, Senator Ossoff here uh, just on Monday uh, doing a hydrogen fuel um, roundtable discussion here at the building. So um, so it really is a mixed use building and primarily it is an interdisciplinary building, meaning it's not just for architecture students. It's not just for earth and atmospheric science students. It's not meant for you know some buildings on campuses like the College of Computing building or the architecture building. This is really meant to be interdisciplinary because we want to get as many students through this building as we possibly can. And um, one of the main ways we do that is through our auditorium. So our auditorium seats about 174 people. And with an auditorium that size, you can host um, some of the more foundational classes at Georgia Tech. So, for example, pretty much every Georgia Tech student has to take a calculus class. Um, So we host calculus one here in the building. and So we're getting as many uh, primarily freshman students through the building as we possibly can because we want to. Um, inspire them and empower them and make them think about buildings differently so that maybe they are um, into city planning or architecture and can, um, you know, we can, we can plant that seed, so to speak, and and, and hopefully see that seed grow. So what else can I say about the building? It's an incredibly sustainable building. It's one of the most sustainable buildings in the United States. Um, It is considered a living building which really means that it gives back more than it takes from its site, from nature, from uh, the environment. But that also means that it it achieved the living building challenge, which is one of the most green, ambitious, holistic um, building certification programs in the world. So if you've heard about LEED certified buildings, um, there's LEED Platinum, which is like the top level LEED uh, certified building. And then the living building challenge is leagues above that as far as It's kind of measurements and protocols for what creates, what actually defines a sustainable building. And the best way I can say that is that other certification programs want buildings to be less bad. The Living Building Challenge says, what if we can make a building that's good, that actually gives back more than it takes? And um, I really like this program because it uses the metaphor of a flower, And they give back more than they take. So at at the end of a flower's life cycle, you get seeds, you get multiple seeds. Sometimes you get hundreds of seeds and those seeds can be planted to make more flowers. And then the, you know, the metaphor goes on and on. So that's the, um, that's the best kind of overview. I think I can give of the Candida building and the living building challenge.
1: Yeah. So, and I might be getting this wrong, but I think, I think there's less than a hundred living buildings in the world. And I don't know what the number is in the U.S., but there's not there's not a whole lot. So the Candida building is one of the only one of the only um, living buildings. I'm proud as a Georgia citizen to say that we have one in the state. And it's a really, really cool, really cool space. And, you know, going back to I mean, I didn't know that the building wasn't designated just to one subject matter. Mm -hmm. But it's it's very interesting that that they open it up to all disciplines uh, because you might have computer science students, you know, like yourself. That come into the Candida building, and that might be their their moment of change in their mind yeah. of saying, "Okay, sustainability. I can use my skill set, and I can do good things for the world." Um, and I think I think for a lot of people, that is there there is that specific time where that happens. Like we talked about. So, if we're talking more into the specific features of the building, you know, we talked about you know going in the bathroom, washing your hands, and the water going back into the garden. But could you discuss, you know, some of the building's features such as, you know, net positive energy and water, the use of salvage materials and just the overall design, I guess I would say.
0: So let's start with water since you're kind of leading leading up to that. So um, we can kind of talk about water in two ways. And one is how we manage rainfall. So how do we manage the water that lands on our site? And then we can talk about how do we use water within the building, so washing our hands, flushing our toilets, filling up our water bottles, etc. So with rainfall, um, we try to mimic a forest in the way we manage our rainfall. So in a forest, a forest manages about ninety percent of its rainfall on site, meaning about ten percent of that is stormwater runoff. Just because of if you know if it's an extraordinarily heavy rain, you're going to still get runoff even in a forest. So um, we manage well over 90% of our rainfall on site. We do that in a couple different ways. 40% of the rainfall that falls on site is collected by our solar panels. So our solar panels are not only harvesting the sun's energy, but they're actually slanted. They're slanted to you know, face south, but they're also slanted to collect that rainwater, those gutters on the bottom of all of our solar panels to collect that rainwater and it collects onto the roof. And we store it in a 50,000 gallon cistern in our building. So we are harvesting some of our rainwater. The other 60% of rainwater that falls on site gets slowly released back into the groundwater. And we do that through um, pervious pavers. We do that through bioswales, planted areas that soak up the rain. And then we have non-planted areas or our um, kind of pavement, so to speak, um, throughout the rest of the, the ground. So that's how we manage our, and we, I think in the four years we've been open, we've only created stormwater runoff once. And that's because all of our bioswales had filled up and then it was pouring over the, the final bioswale. Um, so you'd have to get a crazy, I mean, we had a, we had a, a ridiculous uh, rainstorm just the other week, uh, last Friday, actually, and um, our building flooded because the, the water on the streets backed up so much that it flooded into our building. And even then, we weren't creating any stormwater runoff. The stormwater runoff was created by other buildings, streets, parking lots, et cetera. So that's really important that we're not contributing to that runoff. Um, as far as how we manage our water on site, we treat water like a natural resource, a precious natural resource that it is. Um, so our, we don't want to waste any amount of, of water. Um, and I will say also by the end of the year, we are hoping to have operational, our water treatment plant we have on site. So we can actually convert rainwater into drinking water on site. Um, so hopefully we our goal is to have that done by the end of the year. Um, so hopefully starting next year, when you come wash your hands, you're washing your hands with rainwater, or you come to fill yeah. up your bottle of water, you're drinking rainwater. Um, so I'm hoping to have that loop kind of closed very soon. We're working very hard on that as far as the water that we do use. And so right now we're using city of Atlanta water. So we are on that, that, uh, not grid, but you know, those pipes and we do manage our, our gray water on site. So gray water is water from when you're done washing your hands or you're rinsing something out in the seat sink, or you take a shower, um, that water, as you said correctly, is piped to a constructed wetlands at the front of the building. And that water is then filtered by, um, by gravel and by plants, uh, the roots of plants. And that water is filtered and sent back into the, the water table as well. Our toilets are very unique. Our toilets are world famous. <laughs> we have composting toilets on our uh, site Uh, And most toilets take gallons of water per flush. And that's gallons of potable drinking water that we are just flushing down the toilets. Gallons of this precious natural resource that we poo and pee in and send down to the sewer. It is a huge waste. So here we do things differently. We have foam flush toilets. So they don't flush like normal toilets. But there is a foam that coats the bowl and helps everything slide down the piping. And um, our foam flush toilets take about three ounces of water per flush. So that's comparison to gallons of water per flush for a standard toilet. So that's really, I think I covered everything water-based. That's how we, and then oh, we are not connected to the sewer system at all. So our gray water, as I said, gets pumped to the constructed wetlands, our toilet water, our toilet waste gets sent to composters at the base of our facility. So we actually turn human waste into compost inside of our own facility. And so we're managing that properly so that we get proper compost. So we're very, very cognizant of water as a precious natural resource, and we treat it as such.
1: Right. So I've had a couple architects come on the podcast to talk about building design and, and to talk mm-hmm. about you know lead certification, like you're saying never had anyone talk about the living building challenge so this is really really cool but one aspect of of the design of the candida building that i want to touch on um, and ask you about is the the timber that the building is built out of so could you talk on you know the environmental benefits of using timber over concrete and steel systems and how and how i mean where did where did this timber come from for the candida building and how did everything come to be
0: absolutely so i read a stat the other day Let's see if I can get it right. Concrete and steel are responsible for 11% of carbon emissions worldwide. That's a lot. So if we switched our concrete and steel focused buildings into wood focused buildings, we can actually sequester more carbon instead of releasing. We could we could chip away at that 11%. Yeah. And I think that'd be great. And, you know, I say that the Candida building has concrete and steel but we use it very sparingly and we use it when it's absolutely necessary. So for example, all of our railings are steel. We don't want any rickety railings. (laughs) We don't want someone falling from the second story. That is a responsible use of, of steel. Another example, we have concrete floors. Concrete floors are very durable, but another reason we used it is for its thermal properties. So actually, Hidden within the concrete slabs of the flooring are pipes that coil back and forth. And during a really hot day, we can pump cold water through those pipes. The concrete absorbs the coolness very, very well and can release that or really absorb the heat around it very efficiently. So we are using um, concrete in a very uh, mindful way. We're not using concrete beams. We're not using steel beams. Um, We use wood. And wood is great as a building material because you are storing carbon by using it in your building materials. So a tree throughout its lifetime sequesters carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and uses that carbon to grow. When you cut down and use that wood, you prevent it from decaying. And when it decays, that's when it releases the carbon back into the atmosphere. So you're actually preserving that wood. You are using that wood in your construction. And you are storing carbon instead of releasing it to the atmosphere. And actually a great example of this are our stair treads um, at the Candida building. We actually, so one of the oldest, or I'm sorry, the original oldest building on Georgia Tech's campus is called Tech Tower. Um, So it's about 180 years old. Mm. And we actually used wood from Tech Tower. They were doing renovations and had um, these heart pine joists that they were getting rid of. And someone had the, you know, the bright idea to set them aside in case someone wanted to use them. And we said we absolutely wanted to use them. We turned them into stair treads. So that wood is already 180 years old. And we're going to have it for another maybe 180 years old, 180 years. So that's wood that's storing carbon for hundreds of years instead of it released into the atmosphere and instead of using concrete or steel or another carbon intensive material. So that is why, um, so we have a mass timber construction. That's what it's called. So all of our structural components are, not all, most of our structural components are made of wood. The wood was, most of the wood, most of the new lumber that we used for our structural components of our building um, came from either Alabama or Louisiana. So they're local. They were also from from sites that were F, let me see. FSC certified, the Forestry Stewardship Council. I think that's what it stands for. But it's all about um, sustainably uh, raising trees and harvesting them to use them for lumber in construction. So it's a very high standard of wood that you're using in your building. And a lot of the other wood that we have here is salvage. So I mentioned the stair treads coming from Tech Tower. Uh, we also our ramp, our kind of central ramp of our of our building. And that wood came from a church that had to be taken down on Tech's campus. So that was came from local salvage means Our decking. So our, what what we see is our ceiling, um, which is decking for the second floor. The, the wood on the ceiling is a mixture of two by sixes, a nail laminated with two by fours back and forth. So it kind of gives this, um, this type of pattern and A fourth of the two by fours were salvaged from the movie set, uh, the movie industry from movie sets in the Atlanta area. So we have famous wood in our ceilings. (laughs) (laughs) Let me see what else. I think those are the main. Oh, and then we have, um, we have countertops kind of throughout the building. And those all came from trees that fell of natural causes on Georgia Tech's campus. So we are getting our wood very locally, uh, sustainably salvaged, harvested, and it's sequestering CO2 so or carbon. So that's there's there's no there's no negative reasons to use wood for for building construction.
1: It's interesting because like I mentioned, I was at the building three to four weeks ago. it might have been more than that, but I'd spoken to um, the director at the Candi building and because he had given a talk um, before this this panel started just about the building and some quick stats and, and quick facts. And he had talked about, like you're saying, the timber all being local. And then he talked about the flooring being local. So I was talking to him afterwards and I said, uh, do you know where the flooring was um, purchased from? And he said, oh, it was in Georgia, and North Georgia. And I said, was it in Calhoun, Georgia? And he said, it actually was in Calhoun. And I said, was it Mohawk Industries? And he said, I think it was Mohawk Industries. And it's funny because I'm starting a job on Monday with Mohawk Industries um, oh, cool. as, as on their sustainability team, so you know, talking to him, I was like, "This is this is wild." You know, I'm in this building, a living building, and what I'm standing on is a product from a company I'm going to work for. It's just you talk about full circle moments, and that was definitely one of them.
0: Congrats so very, on the new job, by the way.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's my my journey in sustainability is for another time, but it's it's been it's been uh, an interesting ride as well. You know, the next thing I want to talk about is. You know, I went through the Candida building, you know, I walked on the outside, and it's literally like a forest on, on outside. Yeah. You have all of the trees and the canopies. And the inside I walked all the way through and, and kind of gave myself a tour looking into the different classrooms. But I couldn't get on the rooftop. And um I wanted to ask you, you know, what is on the rooftop? Do you have bees on the rooftop?
0: We do. We have honeybees on the roof, we have a rooftop garden, we have blueberry bushes, strawberry plants. We have one corner of the, the rooftop garden that's dedicated for a seasonal planting, so it rotates every season. Right now we have okra and eggplant and kale and tomatoes cool. and lots and lots of herbs. And actually I have a, um, so I'm a facilities manager, so that's my primary job. And I work with other facility managers in Georgia Tech. And I had one of them come up to me and say, hey, I'm doing a cookout this weekend. Can I come up and get some herbs and maybe some eggplants or something from you? And I said, sure, come whenever. And so we just went out to the rooftop and he grabbed some eggplants and some thyme and some sage. And he's like, oh, this is going to go great with all the meat I'm grilling this weekend. And it was just the perfect example of like, that's why we have it here. Um, Most of the produce is taken by students that volunteer to work in the garden. So they kind of get the literal fruits of their labor. But it was just a great moment of like this is why this is here. We we are trying to support this culture of Georgia Tech of being inviting and warm and supportive of each other and also more sustainable at the same time. So it was a great little moment. And there have been some when our when our strawberries were in full swing, I would harvest strawberries and then just walk around the building like giving them to students like hey, do you want a freshly harvested (laughs) strawberry from the rooftop? And they'd they normally look at me like kind of concerned and then like hesitantly yeah. take one. And so, yeah, like I'm,
1: ta- so. I'm taught not to take food yeah. from people.
0: <laughs> Don't take candy from strangers, but take right. strawberries from strangers. Right,
1: right. <laughs> so, I mean, the Candida building has obviously been very successful at Georgia Tech. Do you think that there will be more buildings like the Candida building pop up at Georgia Tech? Or is this going to be a, a singular um, project for the university?
0: Yeah, so I think there are elements of this building that will continue on in kind of the Georgia Tech uh, essence. I don't see them building another living building just yet. Um, it is more expensive. It's I think we use this as kind of a this is the grand experiment, this building. And then we can learn from there's, you know, certain takeaways that we, okay, we did like this. We didn't like this. And we can apply those to other new buildings going on at Georgia Tech campus or even existing buildings. You can put rooftop solar on an existing building, or you can plant a garden around the entrance of a building. You know, there are elements that they can take from that. I know one thing that we're trying to make required For all new buildings, because it's a low hanging fruit, it's not that expensive, and it makes a big difference is bird safe glass. A lot of people don't realize this, but one of the biggest killers of our wild birds is glass on buildings, Mm. because birds will see the reflection of a tree and think that they can fly through to get to that tree, they hit the window, and they do not make it. Um, So there's actually a treatment that you can do onto the glass or within the glass and they look like little gray polka dots and it's hard to see you may not have even noticed it when you came to visit the building when you came I don't think
1: I did. No I don't Yeah think. so
0: there's little polka dots on the on the, all the glass and it allows for the birds to recognize that there's an actual barrier there that it's not a something that they can fly through and it's extremely effective it's not very expensive and when you're talking about um you know, sustainability and protecting our environment, it's a great way to do so, especially because a lot of our plantings, a lot of our newer ways that we manage our landscape invites birds back onto campus. You know, Georgia Tech is almost like a park within the city of Atlanta. We're inviting all of these, um, we're inviting all of our, you know, that's like inviting, planting a whole bunch of wildflowers and then spraying them with pesticides immediately. Like you're just inviting nature to its doom. Like that's, That's awful. Um, So we're trying to make that a requirement with all new buildings going forward. And I think that's an easy, that's an easy request, I think. And it makes sense. I definitely could see um, Georgia Tech doing more rooftop solar. I definitely think that that's, um, that's an easy, that's an easy ask. I know that there is a new, we're in the design phases for a new housing building on Georgia Tech's campus. And we're trying to push to make it a mass timber construction as well. Um, so that would be a big win. Um, I'm not sure where we are with that discussion currently, but I know that we're pushing for mass timber, whether we get mass timber or not, we, we shall see, but that's the goal.
1: So, I mean, we we, we learned about the Candida building and thank you so much for breaking it down. I mean, that's, I, I learned more than I'd researched, and, and that's always a good thing that I like to do <laughs> on these podcasts.
0: If we have a couple more minutes, can I talk about energy real quick? Cause we can't yes, yes, Thank you. Cause that, energy is such an important part of this. I'm, I keep mentioning rooftop solar. I'm like, darn it. I got to talk about energy. Yes. The Candida building is 80% more efficient with its energy usage than a similar building of its type, like a similar academic building. Um, and we do that in a couple of different ways. One, we have a really tight building envelope, meaning no air gets in or out with us saying without us saying so. Um so in order to do that, we have a dedicated outside air unit that brings in fresh air and expels stale air. but that's not we don't have any conventional air conditioning in the building. So we're not heating and cooling the air that's coming in. We're just bringing in fresh air and and expelling stale air. I did mention, before that we have coils in our concrete slabs. So during the summertime, we can pump cold water through them and make the air feel colder. Um, During the winter, we can pump warm air through them, make it feel warmer. We also have in our building big-ass fans. And I can say that because that's the name of the company. (laughs) So we have really big fans, and we have big fans and small fans. Every room has at least one fan in it. Um, And that can help move the hot air from your body to make you feel colder without actually making the air any colder. So we actually keep the temperature in the building set to 78 during the summer and 68 during the winter. 78. I think most people would think, man, if my house at home was 78, I would be melting. That would be awful. But it actually feels really comfortable in this building uh, because of our thermal um, exchanges instead of you know forced air heating and cooling. Um, and something that I'll mention our dedicated outside air unit, one of its main purposes is actually dehumidification. So one of the main reasons why you feel hot when you go outside is because you're hot and humid. So if you can take care of the humidity and we take care of the humidity separate from taking care of the heat in a standard air conditioned room, they use air conditioning to dehumidify a building. Um, It ends up making the building too cold because they overrun it because they need to dehumidify the, the air. Um, so our air is comfortable. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. Um, it's also been dehumidified. I think we have a relative humidity at about 50 or 55%, which is very comfortable. So that being said, we have a very, we also have all led lighting in the building. So that's an easy way to save on electricity. So we have a very efficient building. And then we put a massive solar array on the roof of our building. That's a 917 panels. And um that gets us to well over a hundred percent a hundred percent energy generated versus what we use and for the living building challenge we had to be 105 percent energy net positive so 105 percent is the minimum do you want to guess at what our? you might already know this from your I, research
1: oh I, I no I, I, well <laughs> I don't know that I know it's over 200 but I don't know that yes. the
0: specific last year it was 227 percent so we I made know. enough energy. To power our building, we could build the exact same building next to it and power that, and we'd still have energy left over. So we are an extremely energy net positive building. And like I said, that's because we're extremely energy efficient. You can't put a big solar panel, solar array on just a standard building and expect to be energy net positive. But we're extremely energy efficient, and then we have a lovely efficient solar array. And one of the other things that I love. So I mentioned that the solar array it generates energy. It collects rainwater, but it also extends out on the west side of our building, providing shade for the building. And it creates this kind of um, like an awning for a porch. So we have this kind of outdoor uh, seating area on the west side of our building. And it's just a great place for students to come collaborate with each other or work quietly on their computer. Um, And we have the Eco Commons, which is basically a big park right next to us as well. So it's just a really great place to be outside and enjoy the birds and enjoy the birds that aren't knocking into a window and enjoy the bees and, <laughs> and whatnot.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you after uh, I left the conference, I, uh, I actually went outside and sat, um, right where you're talking about in that section on the West side of the building with, with, uh, I guess you'd call it the awning yeah. or right up above it. And I was sitting there and I was like, wow, this is, this is so incredible. And uh, the thought went in my mind, do I, do I apply to get my MBA at Georgia? I mean, I just love I, to get a second MBA. I just love, uh, I just love this building so much. I'm just so impressed, but th- there's one, one other question I want to ask you about um, the Candida building. Um, when I was there, um, the bottom floor, I, I walked down the stairs just very briefly and it looked like there was a clothing drop off. Like mm-hmm. there was a section, I think that there was clothes hung up, there was mm-hmm. drop off. So wh- what, what is that? Um, That's at true. the bottom floor,
0: So that is our revolving closet and it is a place for students to donate clothes that they no longer need or want. And we um, kind of go through that clothing. And as long as it's not too tattered or stained or anything like that, we hang it up and um, put it out for display and students can come and just take that clothing and it's all free. So it's just a free service that we offer for Georgia Tech students. We're trying to keep clothing out of landfills. We're trying to help out our Georgia Tech students and if any clothing is too far gone, like too tattered, there's holes in the, you know, I know holes in jeans are trendy nowadays, but if there are too many holes, then we actually take them to our textile mill on site on Georgia Tech's campus, and they can actually reuse those fibers in their own experiments and productions. Oh, wow. So uh, we reuse and, you know, recycle really as much as we can, but that's our revolving closet. So it's a really great, kind of fun way to, again, just kind of energize that Georgia Tech culture and just make it uh, a warm and inviting place to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I didn't, I, Like I said, I didn't look at it too much, but I noticed mm-hmm. the clothing and I was like, what? I, I, don't, I didn't know it was down there.
0: Yeah. It's weird uh, for a basement of a building to right. just have a closet. Yeah. Yeah. I was
1: like, am I in the right place? I, I don't <laughs> know. I don't know. But uh, as you've alluded to, you are the senior facilities manager at the Candida building. And you, you gave a great um, analysis of the building, and I know that, that all the listeners are really, really glad to hear about it. But I kind of want to ask you about you know, what your day-to-day is like, like what your day-to-day is like managing and, and being um, over facilities at a building mm-hmm. like this. I mean, it's, it's got to be very different from a normal building, <laughs> yes. running facility. So what, it, what is your day-to-day like? And is every day the same? Is it different? I mean, how, how does it all, all come to be?
0: Every day is very different, which I'm very appreciative of because I like things changing and um, evolving. And um, I kind of need that to kind of stay interested and excited about, uh, you know, a job. So I've really enjoyed that. Um, again, it's only been three months, so I'm still kind of getting settled into it. But my my main role is kind of like the middleman. So we might have a teacher who's teaching a class and she notices that the fans aren't working or you know, it's too hot or too cold or whatever it might be in her room. She knows to call me and I can call the right HVAC person to come out and take a look at it or, you know, whatnot. So a lot of it is identifying problems with the building and then reaching out to the right person to kind of support that and, and make those changes. Um, so that kind of aspect of my job is not very glamorous because it's a lot of like this button won't work and these fans won't work and it's too hot in here and it's too cold in there. And, um, you know, the doors won't close and, or my buzz cards, not right. So a buzz card is like your ticket into Mm. any classroom or, or, uh, building. So it's, it's, you know, access control. It's a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, what I really love, the other kind of side of my job is kind of more public facing. And they told me about this, you know, when I interviewed for the job, they said that they were looking for someone with both public, uh, public speaking abilities, but also who has experience with facilities management. And those two normally do not go together. If you have a facilities person that, and it's very male dominated, as I said, and they really just want to focus on their work and kind of work on their computer or work with their program or whatever it might be, and just kind of get stuff done. And I like doing that too. I like sitting at my desk and answering emails just like any other person. But for me, A lot of it is kind of like event management. I give tours, I can do podcasts, Mm -hmm. I can speak about the building. um, And really, it's all about spreading the mission and vision of this building, which is to encourage more, um, just more sustainability in the built environment, really. For example, earlier today, we had a we had an event in our auditorium. And they were saying, Oh, it's too hot and this and how do you work the projectors? And can we rearrange the furniture? And, you know, so I'm helping them out with that. And so, yeah, part, I mean, I enjoy every aspect of my job. I even enjoy the little, I enjoy the attention to detail. I think if you can focus on the details, then not that the big stuff will take care of itself. As long as you're focused, as long as you're focusing on the details, they don't become big problems. Right. So that's really my goal is to, and you know, this building is still fairly new, so it's um, doesn't have a lot of big challenges as far as like replacing units or you know having water issues. It's it's still fairly new. It's still it's still kind of running itself for the most part. So that's been um, a relief, really. Yeah.
1: So I mean, you got your degree in computer science. Are you able to use that background in your work today?
0: Not. Not anything specific with computer science, but I know, um, like I'm really good with Excel and that I definitely learned that. Well, I learned that at school and also throughout my, um, just years of experience, um, in facilities management. But, you know, I'm, I'm putting together Excel spreadsheets and, and Sean Aurora, the director of the building, he kind of looks over my shoulder and he's like, well, how'd you do that? Or this, you know, it looks, it looks good. And he, you know, he would say things like, oh, it looks good. Of course, because you're a computer scientist. I'm like, Well, I think it's just like my experience at, in college, but also outside of college too. So um, I'm not, to answer your question bluntly, I am not currently programming at my current job. Um, I mean, if someone had an issue, I'd be happy to look at it. So, you know, if someone has an issue with their computer or something, I'm, I'm always happy to Take a look at it and see what Google says.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think it's funny. I, I love Microsoft Excel too. And all the, all the jobs that I've had all through college, you had to use it and know how to use it. Yeah. And I love the memes. Uh, I see the memes all the time that say the world's financial system is, is all based on Microsoft Excel and yeah. hopefully it doesn't crash because then we're all doomed. <laughs> but it's a great tool. It's a great tool and a great thing to know. Yeah. Um, so the, the final question I want to ask you um, as far as, as, as your position is um, you started three months ago. So th- this might be hard to answer, but I, I, w- I want to ask you what your vision is, um, what, what your vision for the future is for your position and for the Candida building in general, what you want to accomplish. Um, and obviously you, you took the job and you have a passion for facilities management. You have a passion for sustainability, but I'm guessing you have a um, overarching goal in mind as well. So um, if you do, could you, could you talk about that? And uh, um, anything, anything, it could be. Yeah. Anything.
0: Sure. Um, I don't know if I've really been thinking long-term just yet, but I do know that even, even the Candida building, one of the most sustainable buildings in the United States, it still is not, it's not perfect. And we can make improvements. And so, for example, one of them, we have a lot of events here. We have events probably at least a couple times a week. And a lot of those events serve food. And so we require um, any food being served to be served in either reusable dishware, uh, served with compostable, um, you know, plates and cutlery and things, or at the very least to be um, served in recyclable, uh, you know, cups and materials. So we're already doing a lot in that way, but we can do more. So for example, one of the uh, projects that I'm overseeing right now is we're trying to install a dishwasher at the Candida building. So we have a catering kitchen on the first floor. And right now it just has like a fridge and a sink and some, you know, countertop space. So we're trying to install a commercial grade dishwasher. And then we'd actually buy reusable dishware and we can actually serve those. We can use those in serving of food for events. So any event may be 50 people and under, we can use our reusable dishwasher, uh, re- reusable dishware and send it through our dishwasher and actually be able. So I'm actually, I'm quite an expert on dishwashers. Oh. <laughs> so I've done way, I know way too much about dishwashers, um, but, uh, but that's another. So even one of the most sustainable buildings in the world still can make improvements to be more sustainable. So that's, that's kind of an example of something where we're, we're trying to go even better. And then, Um, My next kind of, and again, this isn't super long-term, but my next goal is to get that rainwater to drinking water system up and running. It technically works, but we are currently waiting on City of Atlanta approval. City of Atlanta is actually meeting about it in August. So we are on their, we're on their agenda for their council meeting in August. And hopefully they will approve the exception for us to use our own water treatment facility on site. And then we can actually start using our drinking water, using our rainwater. And uh, so I'm really excited to see that up and running and to see that actually be fruitful. Um, so those are a couple of things that I have on my radar, kind of in the works. Yeah. So
1: that's one thing I was going to ask you. You mentioned dishwasher. Um, if if that passes with the city of Atlanta, I guess you would use the rainwater for that as well?
0: Rainwater yep. would be for everything. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Wow.
0: Which would be really, really amazing. I mean, yeah. I, I can't wait to drink rainwater. I don't know why that excites me so much, but it really does.
1: Yeah. I mean, growing up, you, you go outside and you're trying to catch water in your mouth and yeah. rain, but actually having a cup of it would be like, wow. I mean, this is, yeah, this is very, very cool. So, uh, Brooke, the last, last segment I do on every podcast is advice and final questions. And this is a lot of these questions might be generic, but, um, I asked, similar questions to all guests, because I want the listeners to understand that a lot of the guests have the same answers. Mm -hmm. And um, especially when I ask specific questions on sustainability, you know, the second segment we talked about was the Candida building, the living building. So a lot of people, I mean, I want to take a group. I I lead like a nonprofit conservation group in Atlanta with young people. And one of the things I want to do is tour the Candida building and bring people so they can see it. So can anyone tour the Candida building? Um, And what is, what is the scheduling like?
0: Sure. So this building is open to the public Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. So uh, that's another way that we just want to get as many people in the building as possible to inspire and empower them. Uh, We also do guided tours. You can sign up on our website. Um, Our website has a tab for tours and you just go down to guided tours and you can fill out a little web form and then we'll respond and assign a a tour guide to you. Um, so anyone can do that groups, you know, I've, I've done tours for two people before I've done tours for 30 people before we try to keep them at about 25 people or less. We've done, I've done um, I've worked with elementary school students, middle school students, high school students, adults. Um, so we really, again, it's all about getting as many people to know about this building as we possibly can and just to inspire them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's great. It's great. Um, So final two questions, you know, what is your advice to those listeners who might have that same mindset and are thinking, wow, I, I really want to do work that's beneficial to the world um, and that's really going to make a difference. Um, You know, your advice to those people who might want to start a career in sustainability.
0: I would say volunteer with as many sustainability organizations you can get your hands on um, because it's going to, it's going to open your eyes to what you might like about, working in sustainability and what you don't like so much about working in sustainability. It'll also build your resume. So if you're going to apply to jobs within the sustainability realm, um, it'll give you that good experience and also help you make connections with, um, with others. And so you could ask someone like me, like, what are, what are the pitfalls? What are the successes? What are you celebrating right now? What are you struggling with right now? I think it's important to have those sorts of discussions. And, um, and I think, the best advice is to be open-minded to try new experiences, go travel. I think traveling is a great way to, I completely agree with that, is a great way to open your mind. But yeah, I think volunteering and just, just getting involved, getting your feet wet and really getting a sense for what the reality of working in sustainability is like.
1: For me, volunteering, that's, honestly, what led me to a job in sustainability. So right, yeah. right on track with what you're saying is, is what I've experienced in my own life. Um, so final question, I ask everyone this question on the show and, and it's very generic, but why is sustainability important?
0: I think it kind of goes back to what I was talking about when we were first talking about buildings. A lot of buildings that are marketed as sustainable are just less bad buildings And really, we need to kind of get away from that framework because less bad buildings aren't sustainable. It means that they're still bad. They're still taking more than they give of our environment. Um, So I think it's really more about, but when we're talking about actually making an impact, we need to think about good buildings. We need to think about regenerative buildings. Um, Sometimes sustainability is not enough, and you really have to go further than that. Mm -hmm. So sustainability is important. But it's really important to think, well, what can I do that's even more sustainable, that's even beyond sustainable, that actually goes into regenerative um, systems?
1: Right. Well, uh, Brooke, thank you so much for coming on the Green Hour. It's, it's been so much fun learning about, about living buildings and about your work that you're doing at the Candida building. So I can't thank you enough for coming on. And hopefully here um, in the next year, I, I will bring a group to the Candida building on a tour.
0: You are more than welcome. we would be happy to have you.